Hey, welcome to the story. If you guys are new here, we're so glad you guys are joining us. If you got a Bible this morning, you can open up to Galatians chapter 4. If you don't got a Bible, by the way, just so you guys know, we have free Bibles available at the Connect table. If you don't own a Bible, you can keep it. You can uh, bring it to the gathering, take it home, whatever you want. So anytime you guys want a Bible or need a Bible, we got it for free available at the Connect table. We also throw the verses up on the screen for you guys too. So um, those will be available as well. We just started a couple weeks ago a brand new series that we're going to be going through for the next year, and the series is called Like. And what our goal is, what our hope and desire is, is that we become more like Jesus. And as Justice was talking about, that's obviously a process. That's not something that happens overnight. It's not like you just do this one-time thing and then all of a sudden you're like him. The process of spiritual transformation or spiritual formation being formed and conformed into the image of God, becoming more like Jesus, is a process and it involves every single part of our being. It involves our thoughts, our actions, our emotions, and then bringing the Holy Spirit into each one of those facets of our life. And so two weeks ago, we started with, um, we started with the, the thought life. And so right now we're in a series, uh, the first part of it called orthodoxy, which is proper thoughts and proper knowledge about God. Because if we don't have a proper knowledge of God, then we can't change uh, and become more like Jesus. And so today we're going to be jumping into part two of what it looks like to know God. And last week we really laid the foundation. If you missed that teaching and are going to be journeying through this series with us, I'd really encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast. We got it on iTunes. You can check it on our website as well. Last week was huge hugely foundational for the rest of what we're going to be talking about for the next two and a half months um, for how we know God. And the basic idea, if you weren't here just to catch us up to speed, was we can only know God if God chooses to make himself known to us. So again, a relationship with a person, you could want that, you could pursue that, but unless that person lets you in and reveals themselves to you, you can't get to know them. It's up to that individual. And so too it is with God. Knowing God foundationally starts with the idea that God actually chooses to reveal himself to us and to make himself known to us, which is absolutely incredible. And the coolest thing ever I just wanted to share with you guys is that actually happened last week in an absolutely Holy Spirit spirit tangible way. So we we were talking about that, about we can only know God if he chooses to make himself known to us. And he does choose to do that through the person of Jesus. After that teaching at the second gathering, we were taking our five minutes of silence and just listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to speak. And there was a person at the gathering second service who came up to me and said, hey, I'd like to share some stuff with you. So I went and grabbed coffee with him and he said, you know, I, I had came in and I was hearing what you were saying. And for the past seven years, I've been, uh, I've been practicing the Baha'i faith. And before that, I had explored a lot of other religions and whatnot. And he was here and he said that he, he heard and understood what I was saying about God making himself known to us. And he He had been exploring and trying to find God for many years. And then he said in that five minutes of silence, he said that God actually did exactly what we were talking about. That as he was still and listening and saying, if if you are real, make yourself known. And he said that God's presence came upon him and that he legitimately said that 
he felt like he had a heart of darkness and God took that out of him and, and gave him a new heart. And I said, that's exactly what the Bible says. I said, he takes your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. And he goes, that's what I felt happen. And so that happened last week where after teaching that this is what God does, he actually came and did it. He actually imparted knowledge of himself to an individual here. It was absolutely amazing. And then he was saying after that, like it was, it was such an incredible emotional experience. Like God was actually like revealing himself to me through the person of Jesus. And he came into my heart. And then he was saying, I was asking him, what am I now supposed to fill this new heart with? Because my heart was previously full of darkness. And now I, I felt like I had a new heart, but I didn't know what I was supposed to fill it with. And after the second gathering, during that five minutes of just waiting on the Holy Spirit, I shared a vision that, that I had sitting on the stage, which was a vision of light coming and filling void space and coming out of that space. And he said that the Holy Spirit told him in that moment that, that that's what he was supposed to put in his new heart, that God, the Holy Spirit who is present in him is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And so it was absolutely amazing. I wanted to share that with you guys because it's so cool. God is presently, currently in people's lives, showing up, changing and transforming them, giving them new hearts, conforming us to the image of Christ. And so that's why I'm so excited about this series, uh, to become more like Jesus, because we just believe that as, as we continue to study the scriptures and God makes himself known to us, he's the one who does this. He's going to continue to make himself known. He's going to continue to change and transform people's lives. And if you're here and you don't know what that looks like, if you're here and you have questions and, and, and God hasn't made himself known to you, I would just encourage you to approach this with an open heart and say, God, if, if you are real, I, I do want to know you. If you are real, come and make yourself known. And when you do that, he does and he shows up. So the foundation for knowing God is that we can only know God if he chooses to make himself known to us. Today, I want to switch and focus on a little different uh, piece of the aspect of knowing God. And that is not just knowing God, but what it actually means to be known by God. And the reality is this is one of the deepest desires of the human heart. As humans, we are relational creatures. We were created in the image of a relational God who existed for eternity past in a perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God has given us desires as humans to know people and also to be known. That's one of the deepest desires of the human heart heart is I, I want somebody to know me. And it's a beautiful thing when that happens, when, when we find that, that knowledge of other people and when we understand that people know us and we can have space to be open and real and vulnerable, it's a beautiful thing. But even more so than knowing people and being known by people is the, the amazing truth that we can know God and that God knows us. And we see this in Galatians chapter 4. Look down, if you would, at verse 9, what Paul the Apostle writes here to the church of Galatia. He says in Galatians 4, verse 9, But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? What's happening here in the church of Galatia at this time was that they had come to know God, or rather God had uh, come to know them, and then Paul said, but now you guys are turning back to these false gods. They had a bunch of idols, a bunch of false He said, you're turning back to those false gods. I don't want to focus today so much on the aspect of that, but what he says in the beginning, which is fundamental, he says, now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God. 
So last week we talked about knowing God. And knowing God happens when God makes himself known to us. But even deeper than knowing God is the understanding that we are known by him. That God actually knows us. So our knowledge of God is a result of God first knowing us. Him choosing to know us. So in reality, God's grace is what came first and remains fundamental in our knowledge of God. Apart from God choosing to show grace to us and choosing to know us, we could not know him. So we today, we know God by faith, right? We can't see him physically. We know Jesus by faith, but even that was produced by grace. It was God choosing in his grace, in his volition, in his freedom to choose to know us. And so the reality is this, being known by God, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, I would say this is the Cinderella story of theology. Like the fact that God actually wants to know you is just mind-blowing. The fact that God actually knows me is like completely insane because the reality is we bring nothing to the table. The reality is there's, there's nothing in me. I have no pedigree that would attract God to me or make him want to know me. And yet he chooses to know me. And yet he wants to know me. And when we understand that, it's, it's just like it's the most humbling thing you can experience. That the God of the universe actually knows you and wants to know you and make himself known to you. And we see this all throughout scriptures. We see all throughout the story of the Bible that God comes and speaks to individuals and groups of people, revealing to them not so much who he is, but he reveals to them that he knows them. Exodus chapter 33, verse 17, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight. I know you by name. This is when God was calling Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses is like, I can't do that unless your presence goes with me. And God said, I will do this. My presence will go with you. And he says, and I've known you by name. The thing that gave Moses the confidence to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt was that God said, I know you. I've chosen you. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, the prophet writes this, before I formed you in the womb, God declares, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. As God is telling Jeremiah the calling that he has on his life to go and prophesy, he says to him, before you were even in the womb, I knew you. That's a crazy thought. That before we were even conceived, God knew us. God took knowledge of us. And he's telling Jeremiah this because Jeremiah felt weak. He didn't feel like he could go and prophesy to the nations. And God says, I know you. And when we understand we're known by God, that empowers us to live out our God-giving calling. In John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you you see the flow there? He says, I know my own and they know me. Again, we cannot know God 
had it not been for him first taking knowledge of us, him choosing to pursue us and to know us. And we see this again all throughout the scriptures. Actually, at Israel's three lowest points in history, when they were enslaved in Egypt, when they were wandering in the wilderness, and when they were taken away into exile, at all three of these moments, God came and declared to the people of Israel that I know you. His affirmation, the way he brought comfort was that, hey, I I see that you're wandering in the wilderness. I see that you're enslaved in Egypt. I see that you're in exile, but I know you. And it was that foundational truth that gave the people of Israel confidence in God that he still had a plan for their lives. Now, I want to take it to a little more personal level. If you do have your Bible, open up to Psalm chapter 139, where we see a very personal psalm of God's knowledge of us, which is a very beautiful psalm, a psalm of David. If you don't have a Bible again any time today, you can grab one from the back before you leave. We'd love to give you a Bible if you don't own one. And we got it up on the screen as well. So Psalm chapter 139, starting in verse 1, the psalmist David writes this. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Real quick, just to make a basic distinction, searched me speaks of God's factual knowledge that he, he searches us and actually knows everything about us. It's factual knowledge. Known me is relational knowledge. It's that he actually knows us relationally. Although God knows factually everything about everyone, it couldn't be said of every person that I know them because that is a relationship. That's something that God chooses to know us, but we have to choose to know him. We have to step into that space. So he says, you've searched me. You know factually everything about me, but you've also known me. I have a relationship with you. You know me relationally. And then he says in verse two, and and look at how personal this is. He says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Verse six, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So here's the crazy thing that David meditates on here. God's knowledge of everything, God's omniscience, that he factually knows every single thing about every single person who's ever lived. And yet, I love how God takes the idea of God's omniscience, which is God knows everything, and and he brings it down to a personal level. David takes note of God's omniscience, not so much of everything, but personally of him. This is a very personal psalm. I want you to see the the singular first-person pronouns that David uses here. Look at verse 2, he says, when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. So David isn't just meditating on the fact that God knows everything. He's meditating on the fact that God knows him personally, specifically, and individually. And a lot of times we miss that. We can understand the concept of an omniscient God who knows everything, but oftentimes we forget to apply it personally to ourselves like David did and understand that God actually knows you. He doesn't just know everyone here and every, he knows you. 
He's acquainted with all your ways. He knows all of your thoughts, past, present, and future. He knows everything that we are doing. He knows everything that we are thinking. He knows everything that's in your heart. It's a very personal psalm. And a lot of times, again, we miss that. And God wants today for you to know that he brought you here to let you know that he knows you that he's thinking of you, that he has plans for you. He knows everything about you, the daily struggles that you face, every single bad day that you've ever had, the darkest trials that you've ever went through, the depression or the anxiety or the hopelessness that you may presently feel in your heart, the brokenness maybe in your heart from losing a loved one or seeing loved ones suffer, the brokenness in your heart from broken relationships currently taking place in your life, the suffering or the pain that you may personally be going through, God knows that. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. He knows what your struggle is. And when we personalize that, it's absolutely mind-blowing that God, who's running the universe and doing everything, actually knows the specific things happening in my life and takes note of them. And he knows me. And the crazy thing is this, this knowledge that God has of you is, is not just intellectual. It's not just like, I know what's going on. It's actually an experiential knowledge because the reality is this, in the incarnation, Jesus, God himself took on human flesh and Jesus came to this earth and he went through a full life as a human suffering more brokenness, more hurt, more pain, more difficulties than any human who's ever walked the face of the earth, the physical brokenness that Jesus experienced, the emotional brokenness, the spiritual agony as he was suffering on the cross, it was more than any human has ever faced. So when he says, I know you and I know what you're going through, it's not just intellectual, it's he's actually experienced that to a a greater degree. And you guys know how that is. If you share something in your heart with someone who's never faced that, on one hand, they can empathize with you and go, oh, I'm so sorry. They can pray for you and, oh man, I'm gonna keep praying for you. But when you share your sufferings or your brokenness with someone who's actually experienced the same thing, it, it carries a lot more weight because they understand the situation. And this is the beauty of Jesus's knowledge of us And what we're going through and what we experience, he himself actually has experienced it in its fullness. And so when he says, I know you and know what you're experiencing, it's because he's felt it. It's because he, in his freedom of his own volition, choose to take on human flesh and step down into the mess of a broken world and suffer even as we have suffered. So if you're here today and there's things in your heart that you're like, man, I I wish someone knew what I was going through. I wish someone could relate. I I wish there was someone I could talk to about this. Maybe God brought you here today just for that specific purpose so that you leave here today knowing God actually knows about that. Not just the person sitting next to my family, but God And, and he cares and he wants to meet you in that space if you'll let him into it. So David, again, meditating on God's personal knowledge of him. And it's crazy because 
It's so detailed that even the most meaningless moments of our life don't escape his knowledge of us, right? Like, look at verse 2. He says, you know when I sit down and rise up. It's like, who cares? Like, oh, you just sat down in the chair. You just got out of bed. It's like, those seem so meaningless, but it's crazy that God even takes note of the small details that that seem so meaningless, that seem not to matter at all. And so he says, "I, I know these things, even the small things in your life, which means the reality is this, God's knowledge of us, when it says that he knows us, his knowledge of us in reality is vastly superior to our own knowledge of ourselves, which is maybe a crazy concept for some of you because you think, oh, I know me, I'm, I'm me. But God actually knows you better than you know yourself. Look what he continues to say. He says in verse two, you discern my thoughts from afar. Meaning, before you even think, God already knows what you're going to think about. In verse 4, he says, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Before I even talk, God knows what I'm going to say. So God's knowledge of us, God's knowledge specifically of you, is even greater than your knowledge of yourself which means the things that God knows about you, the things that God knows about me, some of them realistically are unknowable by me. Like God knows me so well. God knows every detail about you so specifically that you won't ever even know everything that God knows about you. That's what the psalmist says in verse six. His, his, his conclusion of this is such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So when God talks about knowing us, this is so intimate. And so personal. It's so high that we can't even attain it. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And the things he knows about us, we may not ever be able to attain those things. We might not ever know them, which is kind of a crazy concept. And so the conclusion here of this, when we understand God's personal knowledge and how connected it is and how his knowledge of us is even greater than us, there's a few things we see in this. The first one would be this, that man imperfectly knows God but God perfectly knows man. And we have to understand that, that our knowledge of God in this earth, on this earth, in this life here now, our knowledge of God will always be imperfect. But God's knowledge of us is actually perfect. It's, it's complete. He knows everything. And then secondly, not only is man's knowledge of God imperfect, but man's knowledge of himself is imperfect. Man knows himself imperfectly, but again, being known by God is absolute and perfect. That, for some people, again, is, is something that you're really going to have to think about. I remember maybe seven or eight years ago, I was on a train in Europe and I was reading some uh, theology books and stuff and it was talking about the knowledge of self and it was talking about how people don't know themselves and I had no idea what that even meant at the time. I was like, oh, I know me, I'm Zav, bro. Like, I'm, I'm doing my thing, you know? And, and now I'm starting to understand, like as, as David's even saying here, like the things you know about me, I, I, I can't even know them. They're too high for me. And so man imperfectly knows God, God perfectly knows man. 
Man imperfectly knows himself, but being, by, being known by God is absolute imperfect. And this is what Paul the Apostle also spoke of in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. If you're a note taker, you can write that down. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul the Apostle wrote this. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then when we're in the presence of Jesus, then face to face. Now I know in part Then, when we're in the presence of Jesus, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Paul says, pertaining to our knowledge of Jesus and ourselves, we see in a mirror dimly. When you look in a mirror, it's like, there's things about me that I don't know. There's certain parts of me that are only known to God. And when I'm trying to understand God, it's like looking in the mirror dimly as well. There's things about him that I just don't know and maybe never will know unless he chooses to make those things known. But he says, but then face to face, there will be a day where our knowledge of God, our understanding of God, and our knowledge of self is perfect. That's not until heaven, though. That, 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 that's not until the day that we see him face to face. And so the problem is this. Because our knowledge of God is imperfect, and because our knowledge of ourself is imperfect, it becomes increasingly difficult for us to understand what it means to be known by God. Again, we're talking about what that looks like. Paul says, now that you've come to know God, or rather been known by him, how can I know what it means to be known by God, that God knows me, if my knowledge of him is imperfect, and if my knowledge of myself is imperfect? Let me phrase it this way by asking you a question. When I say God knows you, when I say you are known by God, who does he know? When I say you are known by God or God knows you, who is it that he knows? Or if I were to say that God takes note of us, God thinks about us, how do you think God thinks about you? When you're thinking of yourself, okay, God knows me, God thinks about me, what comes to your mind? Ultimately, the question could be, who do you think you are? Like, who, who are you? And what do you think about yourself? Because the reality is this. What we think about ourselves, how we view ourselves, our personal identity, affects directly the way that we are going to think God thinks about us. I gotta say that again. The way that we think about ourselves directly affects the way that we think God thinks about ourselves. So this is, again, one of the greatest obstacles in facing and experiencing intimacy with God. It's our, 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 our misunderstanding and our misknowledge of ourselves. It's that we have an improper knowledge of ourselves. And also, it's hard to experience intimacy with God when, when we understand that he knows everything about us, that he knows us perfectly. Because the reality is, that thought for some people might be kind of scary, The reality is we're all painfully aware of the brokenness and depravity in our own hearts. We're we're all aware that we got some issues. We're all aware that we've got some struggles. We're all aware of that brokenness. And so to to, to understand, when we think about that, okay, I, 
I got this stuff in my life that isn't right. I've got this brokenness in my life, and that kind of affects the way that I view myself because I've, I've got all this stuff. It's going to affect the way that we think God thinks about us. So the inescapable and undeniable knowledge that we have of ourselves oftentimes is a roadblock to the pursuit of intimacy with a holy God because we say God's holy, God's perfect, and he's omniscient, and he, he knows everything about me. And I know some things about me too that I don't want other people to know that are honestly kind of messed up. And so the reality is, and, and I've felt this of myself, and I know lots of people who have felt this, and maybe you're here and you do feel it. A lot of people are convinced that the way God actually sees you is, is maybe that he is disgusted with you, or maybe he is angry with you because he knows everything about you. And there's not only pretty things about us. We all got skeletons in our closet that we're trying to hide. And so when we think, man, if if God knows about that, how could he want a relationship with me? How could I have a a personal relationship with this perfect holy being when when I've got so much darkness and so much struggle? That's That's a hard thing to imagine. It's hard to imagine that a perfect God would want a relationship with me because the reality is sometimes we don't even like ourselves. If we're completely honest, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I, I don't like who I am. I don't like the things that I do. When I think about myself or ask that question, who am I? I don't like that answer. I, I don't like who I am. I don't like who I'm becoming. So when I think about God thinking about me and, and God knowing me, that's actually not a pretty thought. And so because of that, we run from God rather than to him because, here's why, because we know our hearts too well and we know his heart too little. And so we run from God because I look at myself and I see through my lens just this broken person with a lot of struggles, with, with, with a lot of things that I've done that I regret, with, with a lot of just brokenness, and I say, mm, I can't bring that to God. And so I run away from him, and the reality is the reason I do that is because I know my heart, but I don't know God's heart. And the way I think about myself has affected the way I think God thinks about me. I think God sees me the way that I see myself, but my knowledge of self is imperfect, God knows more about me than I know about myself. And so the way that God really views us, here's the beautiful thing. The, the way that God views you, thank the Lord, it's actually different than the way you view yourself. Because God's knowledge of you is perfect. And again, our knowledge of ourselves is imperfect. And so I want to just turn to one more passage, Psalm 103, to see something really beautiful, to maybe hopefully reshape our thinking about how God actually thinks about us. Because we think one thing of ourselves, but we have to look to the scriptures of what God says, how he thinks about us, and who he says we are. And Psalm 103 is a beautiful passage. If you want to look down, starting in verse 8, here's what David records. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. 
He does not deal with us according to our own sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Here's the reality. This is how God thinks about you. This is how God feels about you. But here's the kicker. Check this out. Why does God think this way about us? Why does God feel this way about us? Why is this what it says that he thinks about us? We can't miss all of what he just said apart from the conclusion in verse 14. Look at this. He says, for, for an explanation, a reason, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. The connection between verse 14 and everything that came before it is so important. Everything that came before it is him saying, this is how I view you. This is how I think about you. This is what my knowledge of you consists. Why does he think that way? Why does, does God think of us in this way? Why is he gracious and merciful? Why is he slow to anger? Why does he abound in steadfast love? Why does he remove our sin as far as the east is from the west? Why does he choose to show compassion on us? Because he knows us. For, verse 14, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. His knowledge of us is the reason he chooses to love us and he chooses to pursue us and he chooses to forgive us. This is God's perfect divine knowledge. This is not human knowledge. This is not how we see ourselves. Human knowledge is, I, I, I think I know myself. I'm, I'm fickle and I'm weak, and I'm prone to wander, and I'm full of brokenness, and so the way I see myself often is, why would God want anything to do with me? If God knows all that, why would he want a relationship with me? Why would he care about me? That's human knowledge. God's knowledge is exactly the opposite. It's, I know all of that, and yet I choose to love you. I know all of that, and yet I'm going to remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. I know all of that, and it's because I know you. It's because I know your friend that I choose to love you. The psalmist David says it's precisely because he knows us that he chooses to show us grace and that he chooses to show us love, and that's what makes the gospel so beautiful, and that's what separates Jesus from every other religion in the world. The greatest demonstration of how God feels about you and how God thinks about you is what he demonstrated on the cross. That he, Jesus, again, took on human flesh, he stepped down into our brokenness, and he lived a perfect sinless life, and going to the cross, he took all of that on us. You want to know the reason why he doesn't um, hold our iniquities against us? Because it's been taken out on Jesus, 
Because Jesus took the punishment that we do deserve. Because Jesus came in his knowledge of us. He knew we were broken. He, he knew that this is the way we would see ourselves. And he said, I have something better for you. The way I see you is different. And so he, Jesus, came and gave his own life on our behalf so that we could be viewed in a new way, so that God didn't have to see us as these flawed, sinful creatures, so that now we could actually be viewed and known by God in the same way that Jesus Christ is known by God. Paul put it this way, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He said, he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You want to know what the reality is? The way that God thinks about you, the way God sees you. When I'm talking about God knows you, do you know how he knows you? He knows you as completely righteous in Christ. If you have trusted in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the way that God sees you in this moment, in light of all you know about yourself that you did this week that probably wasn't a good decision, and all you, God sees you in this moment as clothed completely in the righteousness of Christ. So being known by God, the way that he knows us, the way that he sees us, being known by God is his gracious regarding of us as we are in Christ. To be known by God is to belong to him. It's that I'm in Christ. And now what God knows of me is what he knows of Christ. What God knows of me is the finished work that Jesus already accomplished. That is God's perfect knowledge of you. That is the way he sees you. I love what Richard Baxter said about this. He said, to be known by God signifies that we are approved and loved by him. And consequently, that all our concerns are perfectly known to him and regarded by him. The reality is this. Understanding that God knows you should not be something that drives you away from him. If that's what's happening, it's because you don't understand yourself and you don't know yourself and you don't know the way that God actually sees you. When we understand what it means to be known by God is that God sees me as righteous in Christ, that God sees me as one of his own, that God regards me as an individual who belongs to him, then we can draw near to him. Then we can experience the intimacy and the personal relationship that he desires for us. The reality is this, no matter how well we know our hearts, if we would only know God's better and begin to see ourselves the way that he sees us, we'll see that there's an ever-flowing, never-ending fountain of love and grace and forgiveness when we begin to see his heart. That's why what we're doing here is so important. That's why this series is so important. We have to see ourselves as God sees us. Our knowledge of ourselves is imperfect, but when I say, God, I trust that the way you see me is I've been perfected because of what Jesus has done, then I can start to walk in and live in the freedom that he has for me. So to a life that's been marred by failure and disappointment and brokenness, which is every story in here. When I look at my life from my perspective, it's, man, I just keep failing. I'm, I'm just broken. It's just not working out. To a life like that, which is my life and yours, the concept of being known by God, the reality that we are known by God brings comfort, 
brings hope and gives us eternal significance and purpose in life. And this is my prayer for every individual in here, that today you would believe that God knows you for who you really are, that you would begin to let go of the false ideas of who you think you are, that you'd be able to take off the lens of what you see in yourself, and that you would be able to see yourself as God sees you that you would be able to see what he did on the cross and what that accomplished and how that frees us to be who we were created to be. God today wants you to know, God today brought you here so that you would leave today knowing he knows you, he knows what you're going through, he cares about you, He's experienced everything that you're going through and today you can leave here in peace. You can walk out of here in hope. You can walk out of here assured that the way God sees you, which is most important, is that he loves you and that he demonstrated that by giving his own son to come and die in our place. So would you today, would we today walk out of here in that freedom, walk out of here in that grace with a fuller understanding of who we are because of what Christ has done. Amen? Amen.